Thank you, Yaniv, for the very warm introduction. For all you here today, I just want to take a moment to express my admiration and support of Chazak, who I've been affiliated with for, I believe, over 10 years already. And with all the drashot and all the speeches, but the Ikar is what we're doing for Klal Yisrael and those of us who are not as privileged to be familiar with what we're learning. And really, Chazak is at the forefront of bringing back Hashem's children to the Torah and in the merit of all of us gathering together in support of this worthy organization, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should give us the ultimate Yeshua, the Binyan based on Mikdash, from Herbi Amino Amin. Kudos to Reb Shimon. I know you're not to say greetings on Tisha B'Av, but it's uh, a moed and a yamtiv to see such good chaverim. This past Friday, I was completely stunned. As many of you know, I had the privilege to serve as a rav in the Kugarn Hills community, and I gave a shir in the Young Israel of Kugarn Hills for over 10 years. And this past Friday, like before every shir, a gentleman began the share by announcing, a Rabbi, we have a sponsor for today's share. And this share consists of older gentlemen, retired individuals. Many of them are grandparents. Most of them are great-grandparents. And this gentleman said, by the way, Rabbi, today Jack is sponsoring the share. Okay, I figure, I don't know, Leila Nishmas's father, grandmother. Jack is sponsoring the share. Leila Nishmas, his son, Daniel. Oh, you know, you, you hear that a, a man is sponsoring a share, Nishmas' son, your heart goes out. Sponsoring Lilo Nishmas Daniel, who passed away on Tisha B'Av. His yard site is Tisha B'Av. And this gentleman named Donald, he said, by the way, Rabbi, I am also sponsoring today's shir. Lilo Nishmas, my daughter. And then, okay, I'm ready to call it a day. Leila Nishmas, her yard site was Tisha B'Av. And, you know, what more could you say after that? But for 3,300 years, this is what Tisha B'Av has meant for the Jewish people. National disaster and personal tragedy. From the time the Miraglim brought back their false report, their slanderous report against Eretz Yisrael, for the last 3,300 years, this day has been a year seared in tears. The Mishnah Masechda Tainus lists five tragedies that occurred on Tisha B'Av. First Beis HaMikdash. Second Beis HaMikdash. The city of Beitar was destroyed. Tornus Rufus plowed over the Makam HaMikdash. But since then, throughout the generations, many, many tragedies have occurred on this day. The Jewish community of England was expelled in the year 1295. The community of France was expelled on Tisha B'Av. The banishment of Spanish Jewry was scheduled for Tisha B'Av in 1492. I remember when I was 12 years old, it was the week before my Bar Mitzvah. It was Tisha B'Av Shechal Yos And I was walking to Shul, we were headed to the shul in Flappish where I grew up. It was Avenue L and East 29th Street. And I'm looking ahead and lo and behold, the Aguda of Avenue L did not exist anymore. 
it had burnt down Leil Tishabav the week before my bar mitzvah. A day of national disaster and personal tragedy. So here, to hear two old elderly gentlemen mourning the loss of their children who both passed away on Tishabav, that's what Tishabav has meant for our people for the last 3,300 years. So what would you say? Isn't it enough already? Haven't we suffered enough? What more does the Rebbe want from us? Have we not suffered enough? A year of COVID-19, global pandemic, and then Meron, and then Stalin, and then the collapse in Surfside. Have the Jewish people not suffered enough in the last 3,300 years? You would think we fulfilled our quota a long time ago. You know, one of the great heroes of the Jewish people, one of the great rabbis who tried to inspire us, elevate us, give us hope and faith in the dark years and the times of the Holocaust, the Piyatsetzna Rebbe, Rav Kalinimus Kalman Shapira, the Rebbe of Piyatsetzna, he would deliver a drasha every Shabbat, every single Shabbos in Warsaw. And later he would edit this drasha hoping one day to publish it after the war would be over. He took his precious manuscripts and he buried these manuscripts, hoping one day someone would discover them before the liquidation of the ghetto in 1943. And part of his drushos, part of his manuscripts, were discovered after the war and they were published in 1960 under the title Eish Kodesh. Here's the drusha the Rebbe gave in 1941, Hanukkah 1941. The Rebbe tells his followers, My dear brothers and sisters, I beg you, I urge you, this is not a new phenomenon, this is not a new experience. We've been here before, we've done that. Persecution, humiliation, this is standard for Jewish history. And we've persevered, we've overcome We've emerged with Emuna. So dear brothers and sisters, this is not a new phenomenon. We could emerge with our Emuna intact. This is what the Rebbe wrote in 1941, the drasha that he gave on Hanukkah. A year later, Kislev, November 17th, 1942, the Rebbe made an amendation. He made a revision to his original drasha. And you could read in the original handwriting of the Piyatsetsna Rebbe, where the Rebbe writes, and I quote, only the suffering to the end of 5702, 1942, had previously been comparable to what we've endured in past history. But says the Rebbe, since then, the unusual suffering, the evil and cruel barbaric murders, that the wicked, monstrous murderers invented for Klal Yisrael, in my opinion of Chazal and in my understanding of Jewish history, says the Rebbe, never, never, never in the long annals of Jewish history have anything we have now suffered. Nothing came close to that. Writes the Rebbe, Hashem Yerachim Aleinu, and he should have mercy on us, Keherafayim. The Rebbe retracted his comments of a year earlier. He said, no, we've never endured anything like this. We've never experienced anything like this. 
the horrors of the Holocaust are unparalleled in Jewish history. By the way, I was reading the Kinnahs today, and at the end of the Kinnahs, there's a Kinnah of the Bab of Rebbe, Rabbi Shlomo And the Bab of Rebbe writes explicitly the same exact idea. He says, From the day of our exile, we never experienced anything like this. Concurring with the Piyasetzna, that the tragedies of the Holocaust were unparalleled in Jewish history. Ghettos, religious persecution, humiliation, been there, done that. We've experienced that before. But the systematic program of extermination, rounding up Jews by the tens of thousands to gas them to death, a hundred thousand in one day, that is unprecedented in Jewish history. And so in 1942, once the deportations began, the Piazzetzna retracted his comments and he acknowledged that nothing in Jewish history comes close to the suffering of Klal Yisrael in the time of the Holocaust. By the way, this change of perspective may help us answer and address another great historical controversy. You know, by mid-1942, in Warsaw, a secret underground resistance movement began to form. It was something like the odd couple, because if you want to know what the Warsaw Ghetto consisted of, the Warsaw Ghetto uprising consisted of, it was a group of a thousand fighters you had left-wing Zionists. You had members of Jabotinsky's right-wing Beitar movement. You had anti-Zionist socialists, and they all got together to rise up against the Nazis in Warsaw. So instead of smuggling in food, they smuggled in weapons. They made handmade grenades. Their motto was, we will no longer be herded into the concentration camps like sheep to slaughter. We will defend Jewish honor. Better to die by a bullet than to die like sheep being carried away into the crematoria or the gas chambers. Even if we're killed, at least we'll take a Nazi down with us. They said the time for revenge has come. And it's interesting. Many are not aware that many in the Orthodox circles, particularly in the world of Agudas Yisrael, they disapproved of the operation. Some felt the revolt unnecessarily hastened thousands of deaths. Halacha dictates that at all costs we have to prolong Jewish life and we're not allowed to do anything to cut the life of even one Jew short, even for one moment. It was argued that by continuing to hide out in basements or in attics, the Jews maybe could prolong their lives. Ultimately, perhaps some of them would, would survive. By the way, this is bolstered by the argument that already in 1943, the Germans were on their heels. They had already been defeated in Stalingrad. They were in retreat. Hundreds of thousands of American troops and Allied troops had already landed in Normandy and they were primed to invade Germany. The tide had squarely turned, and if the Jews could hang on just a little bit longer, perhaps they would survive the war. Many believe that taking up arms and physical resistance was not the Jewish way, 
This is not how we respond to crisis. And rather than trying to kill Germans, we should focus our energy on tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah. Jewish pride is expressed not through bullets and ammunition, but through amuna and maintaining faith in the darkest hour. This has been a historic, moral, halachic, hashkafic dilemma and controversy that has raged for the last 75 years. What was the correct thing to do? Tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah, or instead armed resistance? I would like to focus on one other detail, and that is, what was the opinion of perhaps the greatest Goin of the time, none other than Hagoin Rav Menachem Zemba Hashem Yim who was a very young man at the time, and nevertheless was recognized as one of the greatest Gedolim of the last 100 years, certainly of pre-war Europe. Rav Menachem Zemba was held in the highest esteem in the Torah world. He was offered the, the prestigious position of Chief Rabbi of Jerusalem. He declined that. Upon the untimely passing of Hagoin Rav Meir Shapiro, he was offered to be Rosh Hashiva of Lublin and the Rav of the city of Lublin. He authored more than 10,000 pages of Chidushe Torah. My grandfather, of blessed memory, remembers being in Ramanachem Zemba's house. He was a Ben Bayes. He studied with Ramanachem Zemba daily in Poland. He remembered behind his chair there was an entire bookcase of handwritten original Chidushe Torah. Ramanachem Zemba wrote more than 10,000 pages of Chidushim on the entire Rambam. It's called Machazeh HaMelech. On the entire Yushalmi, called Menachem Yerushalayim. On the Bavli, on Shulchan Aruch and the Medrash. Ramanachem Zemba had a prominent disciple named Rav Simcha Elberg. And Rav Elberg was a Talmud of Nachem Zemba before the war. He escaped Warsaw before the liquidation. And he made it to Shanghai. He joined the Mary Yeshiva. He ultimately settled in New York. He was a member of the executive board of Agudas Yisrael. He was the executive director of an organization called Agudas Harabonim. And he was the editor of the prestigious Torah journal, Hapardes. In 1959... Rabbi Elberg penned an article in Hapardes, in Hebrew, with the following title. Mered HaGetto Bevarshav Rabbanachem Zemba Zechitzak Levracha, The Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and the Opinion of Rabbanachem Zemba. By the way, this article also appeared in Yiddish in a journal called Das Yiddish Avart, and the journal had an amendation on the bottom that has never been never appeared before and never again appeared after, and that is, the following article is the opinion solely of the author. Where Rav Elberg writes as follows. He writes emphatically and unequivocally, Rav Menachem Zemba must have opposed the uprising. What do you mean? But we, we've had uprisings before. Anybody know? When did we have a uprising of armed resistance? In the time of Bar Koichva? And the Bar Kocha revolt was supported by none other than Rabbi Akiva. Yet, argued Rav Elberg, that was different. Bar Kocha revolt was in the land of Israel against the foreign occupier. And there was a reasonable chance that we would be victorious, a, reason, a reasonable chance of success. However, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising 
was conceived from the onset as a suicide mission. Its sole goal and purpose was Jewish pride and Jewish resistance. Such an operation, argued Rav Elberg, would never have been supported by Rav Menachem Zemba. However, since then, many testimonies have emerged, contrary to Rav Elberg's assumption, that Rav Zemba, in fact, strongly supported the uprising. So first we have the opinion of none other than Yehuda Aryeh Feingold. By the way, Rabbi Zechariah Fendel in his book, From Dusk to Dawn, not to be confused with a different book, The Darkness and the Dawn, records the eyewitness testimony of Yehuda Aryeh Feingold, who published his memoirs. This appeared in a newspaper in 1946, Hatsoifa, right after the war. Aryeh Feingold visited Ramanachem Zemba in his personal sukkah, in his secret sukkah, and Ramanachem Zemba told him that I am telling you this is the way to rise up, to oppose through action with weapon in hand. There are many among us who are delusional, who think that the evil will not reach them and they will emerge from this Holocaust, says Rav Nachem Zemba, in my opinion, It is my opinion, we must rebel, we have to fight, we have to arm ourselves. Kiddush Hashem Yeshkan, Melchemes Mitzvahi. It's the Melchemes Mitzvah. Despite the fact that it's not taking place in the land of Israel. Another important resource, the diaries, the Warsaw Ghetto Diaries of Hillel Seidman, who also was a resident of Warsaw and was present, present during the uprising, where Hillel Seidman writes that Rabbi Nachem Zemba unequivocally said that in the times of Spain and the times of the Crusades, where the only way to save our life was to denounce our Judaism, so that we had to give up our life. We weren't allowed to denounce our Judaism to save ourselves. But says Ramanachem Zemba, today, the only way to sanctify his name is armed resistance. And this is the opinion I heard my entire life. My grandfather, Zechazak Levracha, who was a Ben Bayis in the home of Ramanachem Zemba, told me many times, that Menachem Zemba unequivocally supported the uprising. In fact, my grandfather was the personal lookout of Menachem Zemba, and the reason he was suited for that job is he had almost supernatural eyesight. He said, when he turned 100, the hardest part about being 100 years old was looking and seeing the Rashi Oisios in the Gemara. That's what's hard about being 100 years old. For most people, 100 years old, it's hard to swallow, it's hard to breathe, it's hard other bodily needs. For Maizeda, the hardest part of turning 100 was seeing the little Rashi letters on the side of the Gemara. So quite a disparate gamut of opinion. Rav Simcha Elberg, Rav Menachem Zemba, was not in support of the uprising. And yet so many eyewitness accounts are given that Menachem Zemba himself supported the uprising. It has been suggested, and this was written by a friend of mine, 
a Rav in Detroit, Rav Dov Lokich, that just like the Pietzetzna Rebbe retracted and rescinded what he wrote in 1941, and in 1942 when he saw the systematic extermination of all the Jews in Poland, the Pietzetzna Rebbe came to the conclusion that in fact nothing that we ever experienced paralleled the horrors of the Holocaust. Likewise, Rav Elberg may have known and studied under Rav Menachem Zemba before the war. And under ordinary circumstances, Rav Menachem Zemba perhaps never would have supported the uprising. But in 1942, with the systematic attempt to eradicate all the Jews of Poland, unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. And the events of 1942 perhaps change the opinion of Rav Menachem Zemba. And from now on, it transcended all familiar halachic and hashkafic principles delineated by previous generations. So while in the past, perhaps, this would have been uncalled for, this was considered the appropriate hoirah shah for an unprecedented, unparalleled attempt to annihilate the Jewish people. So do we still need to suffer more? Have we not suffered the full possible extent of human suffering in our history? So we have to ask ourselves one simple question. What more does the Rebbe want from us? Is there not enough Torah? Are there not enough Shiurim? Do we need more recordings of Shiurim? More Tisha B'Av events? Another message? Another video? What does the Rebbe want from us? What are we missing? I want to share with you a simple comment of the Malbim. The Malbim writes on the Pasuk in Parshas You remember the end of the Pasuk? Says the Holy Malbim. Throughout Tanakh, the Makoim HaMikdash is called one phrase. Makoim Asher Yivchar Hashem the place that God selected. No man ever could determine where the Beis HaMikdash should stand, will stand, should be. It's Makoim Asher Yivchar Hashem. This is a oft-repeated phrase. It appears many times throughout Tanakh. Makoim Asher Yivchar Hashem. And yet the Malbim says, despite the fact that God selects the Makoim HaMikdash, David HaMelech came running to Nasan Hanavi. Nasan, where is it? Where is it going to be? Tell me, where? David was doyresh v'choyker, where the Beis HaMikdash should be. Says the Malbim, why did David do this? It's not up to man, it's not up to the Navi, it's up to God. Mokom HaShayibcha HaShem. Says the Malbim, David saw in the Pasuk, L'shichnoi Sidrishu, that it's not enough for God to come and tell us where the Mikdash is. You need to be doyresh the Mikdash. You need to seek it out. How are you Doresh the Mikdash? How do you seek it out? You go there, now to go there. Now to go to the Makkah Mikdash. We're not, it's not, by the way, it's not because we're Tamei Meis. Because we might be Tamei Zav. So we can't go to the Mikdash. So what does it mean we have to be Doresh the Makkah Mikdash? 
Let me tell you very bekitzer. There's a pasuk in Yirmiya. Tzioin he, doireish enla. She is tzioin. No one seeks her out. Says the Gemara Rosh Hashanah Daf Lamid Sukkah Memal Tamer Aleph Miklal Deboi Drisha. No one seeks her out. From here we learn we must seek out Tzioin. Shimon's giving me only twenty minutes more. Okay. Tzioin he doireish enla. Miklal deboi drisha. From here we learn we must seek her out. How do you seek out Sion? What do you do? What do you do? So recently I acquired a sefer from Rav Chaim Knievsky on the Zmirois Shel Shabbos. And in Zmirois Shel Shabbos we say the following phrase: Behu Yidroish Litzion. Behu Yidroish Litzion. You have to be doireish Sion. Says Reb Chaim what does it mean to be Doresh Tzion? Says you need to look at Targum Unklas. A few times in the, in the Chumash, we find the expression Doresh. In Bereshis, Ve'ach es dimchem lenafshoiseichem edroish. I, says God, will seek out the blood of the murderers. Or in the Pasuk, Ve'yisroitzitzu habonim bekirma, Ve'atoymer unkeim, Lamaze anoichi, Ve'atelech, Lidroish es Hashem. What does the word doireish mean? Listen to Targum Unklas. Uberam yazdimchoin lenavsho seichoin esba. I will be toiveya. Or in the pasuk, vatelech lidroish es Hashem. Veozlas lemisba ulfan. Doireish means to be. To demand, to claim, to not just just to ask. You know, we daven build Yerushalayim, and if not, at least let me make a lot of money today, or at least let me have a good supper. That's davening, but that's not being doyresh. Doyresh says Reb Chaim Kenievsky means to be toyveya, to demand, to mun. To claim, Rebbeinu Shalolam, you told us. B'sishkoin b'soicha ka'asher dibarta. You told us, you promised us, you gave us your word. Reb Chaim quotes the Medrash, the Yalkut Shemayni. Then the times of David HaMelech, even before the Beis HaMikdash was built, David's soldiers passed away. And the Yalkut Shemayni asks, why did they pass on? Shaloitavu as binyan Beis HaMikdash. They didn't demand the temple. Says the Medrash, what do you mean they didn't demand the temple? They never saw the temple. They were not aware what the temple was. What does it mean they didn't demand the, the temple? Says the Medrash, despite the fact that they didn't know what the temple was, they were obligated to demand it. If those who never saw the temple were obligated to demand it, Anu alachas kama v'kama. Says the Medrash, Lefikach hiskinu neviim harishainim. Shall you Yisrael mispalalin b'chol yoyim shloisha pa'amim ana hashev shchinascha l'tzion. The Medrash is telling us, what what does the Rivan Shalom want from us? Suffering? We did our share. We're finished. 
we're done. We've already maxed out the full gamut of human possibility. We're just missing one thing, one nekuda. We know what the Beis HaMikdash is. We ask for it. We say the words, Are we toiveya the Mikdash? Are we demanding the Mikdash? Do we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, Rebbe I love Chazak. I love Torah anytime. Enough is enough. How many of these events do we need to sit through until the fast is over? You owe it to us. You promised us. We can't take it anymore. We must demand it. And once we demand it, the Rebbe will say to us, you didn't even have to ask. It's already Makam Yivchar Hashem. As the Malbum explains, God is ready to tell the Navi where we should go, but He's not going to do it until we demand it. L'shichnoi sidrashu ubasa shama. May we be zoicha to take advantage of this opportunity. Bezos Hashem, we will hear the Rebbe Hashem answer in the affirmative. B'nechamas tiyan yirecha. We should be all be zoicha to the Biyaskar el-Tzedek. B'nechavi amenu. Amen. Amen.